Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. So take me to the fountain by It's welling up, it's welling up in me, me. Nothing in the, nothing in the world satisfies like you. Oh, nothing on the, nothing on the earth will ever be so true. Ian Ben Heason. How are you doing, Father? Doing well. Good to see you. I was telling Alana, I'm starting with a trainer today. Now, I know it's a little bit, not everybody can afford it. I, I understand that. But, I, you know, as a priest, we get a little bit of a salary. It's not it's not a whole lot, but it is. it is puts us like middle class. And so I'm like, you know, I don't spend money on a lot of things. Actually, for the past five years, I've been spending a majority of my money on what you're seeing, media stuff. And now, since I got a good donor, I'm like, you know, I need to invest in myself. I need to invest in my health because yeah, I need to be productive until I'm 75, at least maybe 80. And you need new trainer metaphors. <laughs> well, yeah, so we can make a new box on, on the bingo squares. Like yeah. Well, and audio box. engineering too, actually audio engineering. That'll be, oh, I, I was talking about this. I was having a dinner with a friend. We were splurging on a nice dinner and I was talking to him about the, the connection between uh, did I tell you about this metaphor I've been using a little bit where, um, so audio engineer, what I realized about audio engineer and wine and food, food's a little bit different, but with wine, especially an audio engineer, you never directly describe the sensation of the experience. It's an analogous speak. So you say like, for example, a sound is sharp. Well, it's not obviously sharp like a knife. You're using analogous language. So it's similar with spiritual experience, with your emotions and what's going on inside. You use analogies to try to connect with the raw experience. And this is incredibly important for discernment and for emotional intelligence and things like that. 
So, I mean, there's obvious things like I feel tense, but like when I'm working with people in spiritual direction, I try to get them to describe what they're experiencing and understanding it. Um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. By analogy. And, and, and wine is what, how do you like? Well, cause when they say like, it's a floral bouquet, I mean, it's not, okay. they, it's not they, actual whole, flowers. Yeah. It's not actual flowers. It's not like you taste flowers and then you taste wine and they taste the same. Um, it's, it's a, it's meta, slightly metaphoric, slightly an- analogous. And the difference is a little complicated to explain, but, but between analogy and metaphor, but, but it's, it's not, it's not a one for one. It's not like, you know, um, but we don't know how else to, or we have learned that is how you describe wine. Yeah. It's an so, approximate, it's an approximation. Right. I mean, there's a reason to it and there's a logic to it, but um, it's not. Yeah. But let's get in the readings. Ooh, right. I'm sure we'll come back around to this. First reading for a second Sunday of Advent. Comfort. Give comfort to my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that you, that her service is at an end. Her guilt is expiated. Indeed, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rugged land shall be made plain, a plain. The rough country a broad valley. When the, then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Go up to a high mountain, Zion, herald of glad tidings. Cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news, fear not to cry out and say the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here comes with power the Lord God, who rules by his strong arm. Here he is his reward with him, his recompense before him. Like shepherd, like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In his arms, he gathers his, the lambs, carrying them in his bosom and leading the ewes with care. So interesting. I was, so I, I, I'm going to jump right in. I was telling a lot of before I was like, I'm going to talk about Zen Buddhism and Buddhism and Hinduism and other religions. And what I think you see outside of the fullness of truth is you see a desire for a certain kind of fulfillment. And what you see is there's, there's different kinds of people have different desires that they want fulfilled. And all of those ultimately when properly oriented, when enlightened by reason, lead back to Christ. So the, this reading speaks to the d- desire of the, of the oppressed for justice, like and, and and also for forgiveness of sins. So those are two powerful things. But that's not the totality of human experience, right? What is the desire of the person who seeks, you know, enlightenment by in the East Asian philosophy system, right? What would the, or the, the, their religious flaw the person who seeks enlightenment, the monk of the Zen Buddhism is they seek a kind of spiritual freedom. And again, this is fulfilled in Christ, but there's a plurality of ways that we seek fulfillment. Some people want power, but they don't recognize what true power is, or they want wealth. Now those are the lower things, but some people want justice. Some people want um, things like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially in the monks, I think that it's also a longing for the freedom from corruption. Yeah. 
which sometimes turns on itself and becomes corrupted, you know, so we have to be careful, but exactly. Yeah. And with the monk, it's also, a, a, there's a recognition that the, the life of the emotions, that the emotions are unwieldy, that there's an inconsistency in this world for something that's permanent, a kind of permanent happiness that's deeper than the momentary emotions, the, the, the sensations of the body, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's layers to understand Buddhism. Buddhism is, is actually, I, I've studied a lot. It's not as monolithic, monolithic as you think. It's actually, there's a lot of debates and a lot of variety. Hmm. That makes oh. sense because there's no real authority. Yeah, there's no real authority. So. And there, there's kind of a debate on what actually is enlightenment. Um, there's a debate on everything, it seems. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, 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 not unlike, it's not unlike the relationship between the Protestant denominations and Catholicism or um, the different religious orders within Catholicism. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing. I think what holds it all together in Catholicism is the hierarchy and the authority of the church and the sacramental system. Right. But there are kinds of debates, if you will, between the Jesuits and the Carmelites on, on contemplation, on mm-hmm. prayer. And <clears throat> and the beauty, beautiful thing is that there can be that type of difference, you know, within, yeah. within being, you know, the same, but it makes it beautiful, different, you know, love for God versus mm-hmm. being different, being bad, you know, because that's a lot of what we hear sometimes like we all have to be the same in spirit it's like well within the realm of church teaching there's beautiful saints that have you know that are nothing alike yeah you know well then there's acceptable disagreements that was one of the things actually it was really striking in my seminary one time our rector he was like it was interesting i mean maybe because just my my seminary was fairly conservative so guys weren't willing to admit they disagree with church teaching but at least the guys, uh, the guys that I was friends with and the guys that spoke all the time, which I was friends with, um, we, the, the rector was asking, is like, well, is there any particular church teaching that you find hard? And actually within my class, the biggest debates were about the grace and nature stuff, the Delubach versus the Thomas. That was like where guys got really fired up. And that's, a, that's an acceptable debate. I mean, really like the uh, gay marriage or liturgy and stuff like that. But um, the gay marriage stuff or some of the other hop on issues, we didn't really like, we were all kind of more or less agreement on that, or at least the guys that were in disagreement pretended to be in agreement on that. They didn't say they disagreed with it, but I don't think any of them have since said they disagreed with it. I don't think any of them were submarining. Mm-hmm. But but um, it's just interesting because there are, there are kind of things like there's the debates between the Jesuits and the Dominicans about nature and grace. And um, yeah. So by going back to the reading, I definitely, this is, so this is from Isaiah and this is when he is calling his people back from exile and also foreshadowing Christ. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting you know, because our gospel will reflect this, um, St. John the Baptist. Um, but it's really interesting how he talks about proclaiming the good news. You know, Isaiah yeah. is, is very much like, this is what you're called to do. And um, yeah. and the valley being filled in, the mountain and hills shall be made low. Like, those are very interesting things that we can look back and say, like, did that happen? But is that really literal in the terms of like 
will it be the valleys and the hills in our hearts? You know what I mean? Because that's really where the the way of the Lord needs to be prepared. Well, it could be multiple. I mean, there could be there could be a future fulfillment. I think I think there's a lot of ways you can refer to the second coming of Christ. The first there, there's the the classic. Uh, the IHM nuns would talk with this uh, with the kids about this a lot in Philadelphia. They would say the three comings of Christ: the first in history, the second in mystery the final in, um, in, 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 in victory or something like that. I think, yeah, history, mystery, victory. And um, so, I, I mean, I think that, that threefold thing you can understand, there's the historical realization of these prophecies in Jesus. There's the mystical realization in the individual human heart. And then there's the, the, the final revelation of all history at the second coming which is that's the classic, the three comings of Christ mm-hmm. for Advent. Yeah. 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 So, so this is a really good start or second week. And, um, yeah. you know, but happy, forgot to say, happy liturgical new year. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Because it's. Yeah. And of course I come back from vacation. It throws you off. Like everybody, I, I was walking in like five minutes before mass at Newman. Cause I, I went to mass at my home parish in, in Fayetteville and I was with my parents. So I was like walking in and they were all confused. Cause they're like, father, the readings in the book don't match our magnificent. I'm like, ha ha. That's cause we're in a new liturgical year. Um, <laughs> ha ha. You didn't change the books. <laughs> I, ch- I changed about it, but I was, I was realizing that I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to explain to them how to change the books. I mean, there's some things that, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like uh, the Jimmy Buffett line. It's hard to describe a kiss, a kiss concert. If you've never seen one, <laughs> um, it's hard to describe some of these things. I, 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 one time, I mean, Oh, with Latur- yeah, that's all another conversation, but I was getting back to, but the, the whole Just thing, I feel like it's full of metaphors today. I love it. <laughs> um, but um, what was it? Uh, so, but the, this uh, it's cause I worked out today. There you go. Your brain is all firing and all. So I know that watch out. I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to do more work now because I'm exercising more. This just means he's going to give everybody else more ideas. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to be texting (laughs) earlier in the morning, later at night. That's what this is going to mean. I will prepare for this. (laughs) So we have some comments. Okay. Yeah. Shoot. Uh, Ryan Fisher says, Oh, hey, Ryan. Good afternoon, gang. Glad to see you all again. It's Ryan from Louisville, Kentucky. You know what's weird? I can only hear Ryan's voice vis-a-vis your voice. So, like, the way you – because you always say a certain voice, and, (laughs) and like, I'm sure that's not how Ryan is thinking or saying it, but – Well, hopefully he approves. He keeps – he'll comment, so see him. We we enjoy you, Ryan. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Um, Deborah Cap. Calpin says, hello, Father Ian. Hello. Um, Kenny Ban says, thanks, Father Ian and Alana. I understand that there are healthy disagreements, but there are non-negotiable matters of morals as well. Good to see you again. Thank you, Kenny. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I hate to say this. One of, the, um, one of the bad things that's happened the past 40 or 50 years is, how do I put this without sounding critical? There's no way of putting it without sounding judgmental. Our conversations in in terms of church teaching and theology, we the, the like 
people hear debates and like, oh, people are debating mar- the marriage stuff and all this. Like a hundred years ago, nobody would have thought of debating any of these things. It's like there's so much heterodoxy that people have no idea. I mean, two hundred years ago, I mean, they they were calling each other heresy heretics over grace and nature. And if you if like if somebody had said, I I believe that homosexuals should be married, oh, that's just hot button. And <laughs> if somebody had said that like two hundred years ago. That would have been like saying, I believe the moon should be blue or something, whatever. Just everybody would have been like, what, what are you talking about? Like, it was so not even on the radar screen. Overton window was not yeah. there. Yeah. But, but also the conversations within these theological schools, they got very particular. Maybe that's not a good thing. Some people criticize it. But they also, was, there was a whole system in place. And that just got shot out the window in the past 40 years. And so... I mean, uh, I rediscovered a lot of it in seminary, and it's just like, I mean, there was limitations to it. It wasn't perfect, but I mean, there's you, you'd be surprised how much theological speculation, theological ideas, structures got thrown out after Vatican II. It's like it's absolutely crazy, and that's not what the council called for. That's not all what the council called for. A lot yeah. of things happened that weren't yeah. what the council ca- called for. Um, I definitely think that it's interesting that there's definitely a stronghold of like, this is what is allowed to believe and anything outside of this thought, one thought structure is wrong. And I think that that is, if it leaves out part of Catholicism, that then that's dangerous, you know, because then it's tribes within a tribe. Here's the thing though. Right now I was having a conversation with somebody who's quoted a lot on Twitter. And he was, he was going on about how I was a monster for holding the position of limbo, which is St. Thomas Aquinas. I was just quoting Aquinas and I was being called all kinds of names by this supposedly big name Catholic being called a terrible person. I'm like, I mean, was Aquinas a terrible person, but this is where we're at where it's like you quote the saints and people like you're a terrible person. I'm like, this is a saint. I mean, this view right now is that we've progressed beyond the saints and we've progressed beyond sound theology. I'm like, I don't have to say, you don't have to agree with it. I mean, I think you're crazy to disagree with some of this stuff, but like to call somebody names, like that they're a terrible person because they're, that's, the same. that's when the argument is over Yeah, because they don't have a response to debunk the argument. It's no longer an argument. It's just ad hominem. Um, yeah. Because but you'd be surprised not, how prominent no that person, that prominent, that, that person, very prominent, very I, prominent. I mean, I believe that's, that is the cultural norm. Yeah. If you cannot debunk, then you like debase, basically, yeah. you just attack their character. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to, it's like, we've outgrown this. It's very much that like elitist sophistic attitude of they've outgrown what the saints believed. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a popular view right now. Oh, we've outgrown outgrown this old Testament theology, this, even this new Testament theology. It's amazing. If you just quote the Bible right now, it can be like radical for people. I've been, I've been experiencing that with our healthy minds community where I'm posting like things from the office of readings and because it's like striking me, like how radical this is right now. Like if I said this publicly <laughs> and if I preached this in a homily and I just said it and I just made it my own, but I pretended like it was me and not St. Peter was one recently. 
I could like, I could get corrected by my bishop, you know, like for saying something that's just, that's a scripture, but it like, you know, which is, I, I would love scripture to, is scan- like, it does create scandal. I mean, like, obviously yeah. they killed Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Because exactly. it was scandalous. Um, yeah. But, you know, the truth, when you're not ready for it, when you're not prepared for it, sometimes can crush you and sometimes can create the backlash and response of Pharaoh, right? Um, but yeah. Yeah. we're still called to to yeah. proclaim it from the mountains. And the beautiful thing in reverse is that when people first hear some teachings for sometimes like I was doing spiritual direction slash spiritual counseling with people. And I was talking to them about redemptive suffering. I was actually, I was pulled up an article from Catholic link um, where it's like 10 quotes about redemptive suffering. And I was just reading them to people. And these were people who were raised Catholic. So one of them had gone to church their whole life and they were just floored by these, the teachings of the saints. They're absolutely floored by it. Like, I've never heard anything like this in my life. I'm kind of like, whoa. Mm. That's pretty so huge. We have two more comments. Ryan I am sure we do. Ap- approves of uh, my voice being his in your head. <laughs> says, I approve. Um, and Kenny Band says, Father, please say it. It's good to confront these issues from the pulpit. So oh, yeah, you have course. permission from Kenny, just in case you get in trouble. Kenny said, <laughs> But but here's the thing though I would say this this is where I, I would I would push a little bit on um, uh, on how some traditional folks lean with this is because people say Father you need to preach that um, you can't vote for Joe Biden right for example it's like okay maybe that conversation needs to happen of course the election has passed now but let's back up a second most Catholics don't believe you can go to hell for a mortal sin like. I mean, like we have to have a foundation here first. Like, I mean, when you get into like, you shouldn't vote for Joe Biden, that's like second or third order thing. We got to like convince people that you could go to hell for a mortal sin. Now we can say, you might disagree with me on what constitutes a mortal sin, but just throwing it out there, the idea that you could go to hell for just one mortal sin. Right. Well, and convincing people that missing mass is a mortal sin. Well, that's, I mean, I mean, that's like, that's, I mean, that's the next step, right? Yeah. So yeah. then you start to say, well, well, why does, why do we say that these things are mortal sins? Like what is, and then like the, you have obligations, like mm-hmm. you have obligations to God. God is not just your buddy that makes you feel good. Like you're so you have, scandalous I, right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> obligations, <laughs> obligations. But it's actually funny. Cause if you actually form a parish in this, they're, they can be very receptive, but you you have to you have to like back up and you have to present thing you have to present things in bite size and slowly. You don't jump in with the, uh, you know, um, yeah, you don't. Ju- but that's where I think a lot of times is you hadn't been a lot of priests they haven't been preparing the way so that when it comes to a troubling candidate, I mean, there's still people on both sides. I preach on immigration, I preach on pro life, I preach on all that. And there were people on both sides that said, Father, the church should not get involved with politics. I'm like, I'm not even sure what you mean by that, but the church has social teaching. Like we should, we should cover this. So, but they, they thought that they, they never really heard the idea of the social teaching. Now, granted immigration. That's crazy I, to me. Yeah. That's crazy. 
I mean, church has been pro- preaching social teachings for the last No, but they years. haven't been preaching it. They've been teaching it in church documents that nobody reads. And they've been doing it on social media and, and podcasts like, activi- like this. Activism. Yeah. Or there, there, there have been people who've promoted things. But you can go every Sunday to church. You can go to confession. Um, maybe even go to daily mass and, and not be formed in the Catholic faith. And then this phenomenon, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it now. I've seen it in good parishes. I've seen it in bad parishes, definitely seen it in bad parishes, but I've seen it in really good parishes where it's just like, you know, I mean, you know, you know, this area, this area is pretty conservative, pretty devout, relatively speaking, people tend to pray more and, but the, the, you know, you just, you have to, you have to, you have to form people in sound doctrine. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that they've been receptive here in Greenville um, yeah. to sound doctrine and saying that word sound doctrine. How often do you hear that? Like people say we should Rarely. sound doctrine. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, the language. I hear I, it, but I mean, that's a, my goal now in masses is to use certain phrases on a consistent basis so that they're in the minds of my people, atoning sacrifice, sacrifice of the mass purgatory hell like not not like saying any one person is going to hell just the idea that we should pray for people that they don't go to hell and people who are in danger of going to hell that's one of the petitions that i've added um but that's the thing is is when going back to the reading the first reading then we get into the second i was like i'm about to kick you into second reading right now so getting back to the first reading these readings become radical when you have sound doctrine, like God saves you from hell. This is one of the things I've been saying, like he doesn't save you from having a bad day. He saves you from burning in hell for all eternity. That is salvation. You're like, Oh crap. That is awesome. Right. This is awesome. This isn't just like Jesus wants to make you feel good. Right. Cause I think there are a lot of people who approach ministry right now is God wants to make you whole and he wants to make you feel good. That is partially true. That's not completely incorrect, but he also wants to save you from hell. It is and missing he, a, an essential flavor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Right, I'm taking us into the second reading. Yeah, sure. All right. Second letter of St. Peter. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some regard delay. But he is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a mighty roar, and the elements will be dissolved by fire. And the earth and everything done on it will be found out. Since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be conducting yourselves in holiness and devotion, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved in flames and the elements melted by fire. But according to his promise, we await new heavens and new earth in which the righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you await these things, be eager to be found out without spot or blemish before him at peace. Cool. All right, so there's a lot in there. That yeah, judgment. really good. Be prepared, man. Second yes. coming. He's going to come with an hour you least expect. There will be and punishment. I think, 
I think this is really interesting. So one of the things I'm just going to bring it up because I just assumed that you were going to bring it up. What's but but the dare we hope? So this, oh yeah, yeah. To me, I was actually really thinking that. Dare we hope? That. Yeah, go and, ahead, shoot. And you know that I'm just in. I'm a both and in this situation. Most situations. Yeah. <laughs> that you get fiery about, and you get really mad that I'm both and. But I really feel like this is why, because that the Lord that the Lord is patient with us, and He does not wish that we should perish, that we should all come to repentance. So it's like, that's kind of where I like, we need to pray for all to be saved yeah, and act like in the end, act like our salvation is, you know, won't be burnt away. So we, we act righteously. Right. So that yeah. we're not acting like, Oh, well, we're, everyone's going to be saved. So whatever it's, I need to act right so that yeah, you yeah, know, the, I can be the, here's, here's here's the challenge with this is the progression that von Balthasar makes. And I think it's the pretty I think it's the foundation. I'm gonna double check the book. I'm reading it through. And I was talking with a Thomist. Is Augustine argued that the theological virtue of hope can only apply to the individual? Um, then August uh, Aquinas said it can be applied to another person by virtue of love, which unites us. And then von Balthasar says, well, because unite, love unites us, it can unite us to all people. Therefore, we can hope for all salvation. But that gets very far from that. That development gets very far from Augustine because the idea of hope was, was that like right now, concretely in my life, my appetite, my part of my nature stretches out towards God because I believe his promises that he has made. I hope that he will save me because he has promised to save me. He has promised to set me free. And I've received that promise in faith. And then my, my, my appetite, my will is moved towards God and a kind of longing. I don't know if that's like when we say, cause like, here's the challenge. I'm going to pose this to this Thomist is I, I mean, I joke around with my friend I'm not talking about anybody individually. I'm kind of making this up in my head. I've had some things that are close to this, but not as bad as this. You know, if you're at a funeral with a bunch of, uh, say, potheads and people who like to party, and they're like, you know, hey, man, my buddy, he's right now up in heaven smoking a bong with God, man. It's so great. It's so far out. And everybody's in heaven. Is that like, is that the universalistic hope that Von Balthazar is referring to? Obviously not. But then what's the difference between that and me saying a similar thing, like all my loved ones are in heaven. Like what's, it seems like it's a similar kind of thing. It's more, it's not the theological virtue of hope. It's more just positive thinking. Wishful. Like I wish that all, all were saved. And maybe that's, maybe that's what he means. Yeah. Um, And I think there is something very negative. I, I think like right now, I mean, honestly, I've done funerals where I pray for the person who's died with the possibility that they might be saved, but everything everybody is saying to me gives them a very slim chance that they're in heaven. Now, I might sound a little bit critical, but if you just understand objective criteria, right? They never went to church. They never prayed. No spirituality in the family. They, they didn't care for the poor. All they did was care for their family. 
a lot of times, if you really pay attention, you find out they weren't even that nice of a person. It's just, they kind of like you like them because they're your family member. Right. Um, like, I mean, you've, we've all encountered these people, right? There's that person who's a jerk, but, and they're mean to other people, but they like you. So you get along. So you like them right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now. Is that really like divine love? Is that Christ-like? Is that conversion? Not really. It's just that you like them as a person, which is okay. You know, but I mean, just that, that's one thing a lot of people don't understand about salvation in heaven and Christian discipleship. See, I very rarely do I encounter people in ministry that I don't like, that I don't find redeeming qualities in. That doesn't mean that I think that everybody's a saint and that everybody is perfect. And people say, well, we shouldn't be, nobody's perfect. It's like, well, no, we're striving for perfection, right? Be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Um, And there are people who are closer to that goal than others. Um, And there's, there's kind of an objective criteria of that. Mm -hmm. I think, I think psychologically, one of the dangers of the argument back and forth, like the popular argument back and forth, um, like YouTube scholars, um, is that, it leads others to not pray for their enemies, not pray for people who they think might not be saved. Does that make sense? So it's like, well, I don't have to hope that you're saved because I don't agree with that argument. You know what I mean? I don't dare. We hope. Right. And I feel like that's, that's the attitude that I'm seeing. That's the fruit that I'm seeing from this conversation. And and there is a sense that, you know, the line that von Balthasar uses, God desires that all men be saved. Right. Mm -hmm. And Aquinas makes a distinction between antecedent and consequent will. Very long story on that. But um, but you're right. Even I think in you're the right. scripture, even in the second reading, he desires all men to come to repentance. That's the same thing, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. And, and in a certain sense, we should share in that and that we should pray for conversion. And the more right. we hate somebody, the more we should pray for them. Right. And the more we should try to conquer that hatred so that we can love them. We're even, love. even our blessed mother gave us a prayer, you know, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. I want to believe that prayer. You know, I'm like, I don't want to pray something that I yeah. can't hope, you know, like have a theological. But here's the, this is where Aquinas makes the point. He used the example of a judge, and this is a good way to understand it. And this is where von Balthasar, von Balthasar hates the idea that Aquinas says that the souls in heaven will be okay with the justice of God, that they'll, they'll, they'll take delight in the justice of God, actually, that they'll, when they see the punishments in hell. So I, there are specific people in my life right now that I, will, I do not care much for. You, you know, some of these backstories that they're difficult They've tried to do me harm, like, you know, go down the list. We, we don't get along. I pray for their salvation, and I do see their life, and I see that they're objectively in mortal sin, that they potentially could go to hell. Um, I pray for their salvation, but if, if at the end of this life I found out that they didn't convert and they didn't repent and they're in hell, I, I, don't, think that would, I don't think that would bother. I mean, I think it would be kind of like that. that's, that's just, that's – that's how the whole thing works. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you are called what you to do what you're called to do, which is pray, to pray, pray for them. And I do believe there's, a, I mean, I was talking about this with a theologian. I, I got to work through this. I was talking with a theologian about predestination and, um, and 
I, I said, you know, by virtue of the fact that you're praying for somebody, that may mean that God's grace is, oper- is going to operate in their life. I talk about that a lot with family members who phone away. I, one exercise I give them is I, I just actually was giving this to somebody. Um, I said, I want you to pray for your family member who's fallen away, but I want you to meditate on this, that in this life, when you die, they will still be unrepentant, but that they will repent after you die and that you will not know the fruit of your prayer until you get to heaven. But, but that you're, but have confidence that when you pray for them, that God will give them the opportunity that they will be saved. Um, I think a lot of these things are also mystery, but I, I think there, we should have a certain confidence in prayer and we should pray for people. But actually, just with you, when I think about that with my enemies, with people I don't like, and I think that I, I, I may have just saved their mortal soul by praying for them, actually kind of pisses you off, doesn't it, a little bit? You're like, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever actually gone through that, but you're like, you're like, wait a minute. You mean I, but I, I give that people, I give that as an exercise to people. I say, I want you to believe right now in this moment by praying for this person, you will save their soul. Like God will hear your prayer and will answer it. And he will save this person on your, like, I mean, he'll give them the grace and all that. Um, that I mean, I'm not saying it destroys free will, but do, does that make sense? Yeah. But I don't know. That doesn't piss me off. That gives me the most hope. I guess you don't really hate your enemies. <laughs> you haven't had anybody really done you harm. Cause I mean, your, your emotions, when you hate somebody and you, they're like your enemy, like, and they've right. tried to destroy you and they've done you harm. Your desire is for revenge. Of, like, well, of course. Yes. Yeah. But if, if I were to be told that if I prayed for them, that that action would help bring about their salvation, like that would bring so much hope into my heart. Instead of just saying yeah. like, well, you should pray for them. I don't know. Maybe you're just more of a, a, a chick or something. <laughs> my family were. This is accurate. I am more of a chick. <laughs> uh... Okay. So comments. <laughs> comments. Okay. Uh, Ryan says uh, convincing people that the Eucharist is, is the real presence is also very a difficult. Dark difficult thing um eugenia is watching thanks for joining us eugenia um kenny band says the issue that i think that we catholics do not fully understand what we have and the basic tenets of our doctrines we need to be firm about this and appreciate our faith thanks yeah yeah agreed agreed and it's it's not just the responsibility of the priest on the on the pulpit that is a responsibility, but as baptized Catholics, it is our responsibility to also learn about the faith and to teach our family and our friends about the faith. Yeah. Let's be real about that too. Our, the laity has a job. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. I do think actually a big part of it is the shift from homilies to ser- uh, from sermons to homilies because they used to do more catechesis from the pulpit. Um, and I think there's a healthy balance. I, I, I get fried on this, man. Don't do not quote me to brother priest, man. They will flip out. I've had priests flip out on me when I'm like, I think we should be preaching more sermons. Ah, church documents say, ah, I'm like, ah, the church documents were written by men. Yes. They have a certain authority. They weren't written as absolute law, by the way, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, how, you know, how do you interpret law? How do you interpret liturgical law? Um, 
but yeah, but I think sermons are you, you are you getting that distinction? Like a homily is based on the the, the gospel. Normally, like there's a view in preaching that you should only talk about what's in the gospel. And like I joked around in the crisis, the pandemic, and this was where it became crystal clear in my mind where, you know, it's like we're going into lockdown and it was like it was loud out taste Sunday, like rejoice. And people were preaching about how we should be happy. And I'm like, I don't care what what the celebration is. This is a crappy time. Like you got to address the elephant in the room, you know, but that was really the the, the Sunday we. Yeah, actually, I got to use that as an example for the future. The first weekend of lockdown was Laudate Sunday. Yeah. Um, we have a question, and I will read it to you and allow you to decide if you want to answer it. Yeah. Um, Doris says, please, would you be able to answer this, even separately, if you wish? How do you know if God is testing you? I've had a coworker. Pro- I've had coworker problems, a few health problems, and family issues that really had me stressed in the last four months. Please answer if you can. Thank you. Absolutely. So, um, so, so Aquinas, Aquinas calls, he said, so this, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is good from a pastoral perspective to just jump into it this way. So if you're the person listening, who asked the question, if, if this doesn't lead you to consolation, maybe consider something like meditating on the cross of Jesus Christ connecting with the emotion of Christ feeling that abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So there's like the spiritual exercise, the spiritual director hat. Um, I'm going to take that hat off for a second and put on the theologian. What? Is there another comment? Yes, but keep going. Okay. So I'm going to put on the theologian hat for a second. So Aquinas says that all evil, physical evil, all that is a punishment for sin. Now, now we're going to, we're going to clarify this. There's a punishment for our individual sins. That is that God punishes us when we've committed wrong. Now, what he says is he says, there's three kinds of punishments. There's ones because of original sin. So because of original sin, we live in a fallen world. There is chaos in nature. Nature needs to be redeemed, not just human nature, but all of nature, all of creation groans in anticipation for the, the, the fulfillment, as St. Paul says. Then there's our personal sins that we can be punished for. Absolutely. By the way, this is why if you read the Old Testament, one of the key things that I work through with people is, you should be offering atoning sacrifices. This is a classical piety. So you should offer masses, rosaries. You should offer fasting. You should do penance. It's good to pray the penitential Psalms. I actually had a, um, I had a, a, a family that I'm good friends with and the husband, they, they, I, I was talking with them. They were in danger of losing their pregnancy. And I suggested to the husband to fast for three days and to pray the penitential Psalms, which is very biblical, especially in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I, I encourage him to pray, and we prayed a novena. But what the idea was, I said, to offer atonement for your sins, to say, I'm sorry, which I know seems very against everything that people are saying these days, but that's the very biblical thing. But the third part is Aquinas says there's a kind of thing that's medicinal, that God deprives us of lower goods for a higher good. So what is the ultimate good that God, so when we hear the Lord say, I am with you always, and that no harm shall touch, you shall not uh, dash your foot against a stone um, in, in the Psalms and things like this. Aquinas would say that's to be understood primarily in terms of salvation 
and persevering in a state of grace. God will give you the grace sufficient for salvation. And that is what you should trust. But he may deprive you of your health. He may deprive you of your lower goods so that you learn to trust on him more. Um, So in that regard, but with all of those, the key, the fundamental position of us is conversion, offering penance, praying the the penitential Psalms, praying do penances and, um, and, and turning to the Lord. Does that make sense? Amen. Yeah. And um, so I would say that, I don't know if God is testing you, but he's allowing you to be tested. So it's, it's always a, yeah perspective change a little bit but also like what can you learn from this situation yeah. about no ignatius does say we're in desolation for three reasons and one is that god he strengthens us by means of mm-hmm. you know, by means of desolation yeah, yeah. and offer, i think offered up yeah but i think what i think what you're getting at that god allows us to be tested versus testing us is um god is not an abusive father that delights in our suffering right. But yeah, some people that's, but see, I also, I'm of the mind, the idea of God testing us doesn't bother me because I, I don't know. It's just like um, my relationship with, with my father and with men in my life and growing up was, that was like an okay thing. Like, I don't know. It's just, it makes more sense to me. Does that, that makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the comment that I made was making a face at that you were, that you were distracted by. Um yeah. Ryan says, amen, Father Ian. I'm glad there are priests who do this and address the white elephant in the room. It's much needed. And I was just laughing at white elephant because white elephant is a gift. (laughs) What? Have you been to white elephant parties? It's not. I'm just okay. Oh, well, what's the the saying? Is it a pink elephant? What is this? No, it's just you address the elephant in the room. It doesn't have to be. You guys don't know. Nobody has a color. Yeah. Uh, I think he it's said white elephant and I'm laughing about it because that's really a party that you give away like used things. Is oh, it- is that another oh. chick thing? Whatever. Chick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we know <laughs> me and Ryan, we understand each other. Ryan, don't listen to her. These women are address, crazy. Address the white elephant. In the <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that means something completely different, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Gotta learn chick language. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, so right. we're not going to make it through. Um, Dude, we, should do, well, we can do the gospel. We got we got fifteen minutes. I know, but should I read the whole thing? Uh, Why don't we just do a it's synopsis? I mean, we know, we know. I mean, yeah, just read the whole thing. Okay, just do it. Lord bless our time. All right, from the Gospel of Mark, <laughs> the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son wow. of God. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. As they acknowledged their sins, John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey, and this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. So, proclaim. It wasn't too long. It was only a minute. There you go. 
Yeah. So, um, okay, cool. So, I mean, this idea of prepare the way, right? Um, mm -hmm. Well, and then, okay. So in evangelization, things like this is, is prepare the way of the Lord. What are the things that prepare and lead to conversion? Um, and that's where, you know, going back to my idea, everybody has their desires, what they're seeking. And you have to speak to people in the way that they understand. Now, of course, that can be hard. Some of us just don't have the plethora of whatever education, learning. Um, we, we only speak from our own experience for some people. But I've seen, I mean, I've seen some people where I'm talking to them about meditation and Buddhism and contemplation and John of the Cross and the connections between that and East Asian religions, not saying that they're the same, by the way, not Thomas Merton, not centering prayer. Don't go off on that. Please don't go off on that tangent. Um, you can, if you want, you can, you can, if you want, but, and then there's some people where it's like, you know, Christ will heal your relationships or help, help heal your, 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 your pain, your hurt. Um, Christ will stand up and defend the poor. He'll descend. He'll defend those in the margins of society. Different people have kind of, I think, approach people. And I think it's a, it is a little bit of a temperament thing too. You know what I, I found actually, I think why a lot of artists, because a lot of artists really struggle with Catholicism. Have you picked up on this? A lot of artists. I mean, there's a lot of artists. I mean, you realize how many famous artists were raised Catholic and then they leave the faith. And, um, yeah. It's because it's hard, not because they're artists. Uh, or they they feel like they're free spirits, and yeah. they can't like. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Okay, their their desire. I mean, that's. But the thing is, is um, it's a challenge. Like, it is really funny in seminary and and at ECU Newman in campus ministries. There very rarely do people in the humanities get involved with campus ministry. And then very few people who are in the humanities go to seminary. I was like one of two English majors in the whole seminary. One of two. I was one of the only one of the, one of the few peoples that's into art, like things like that. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, I, I think I was one of the only seminarians who had any indication of what Dadaism was or surrealism or just any of that. And um, in artistic movements. Um, and I think a lot of it is the art artistic sentiment is more, is more inspired, motivated, and fulfilled by a more contemplative spirituality because mm -hmm. um, the contemplative process is very similar to I mean, that's where I've seen, because I've seen a lot of, a lot of people who are um, creatives and they find a lot of inspiration from Zen Buddhism and like the ideas of Zen minds, beginners mind. That's a very popular book among artists and it gets at creativity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, so, yeah. so maybe they leave because they did were not introduced to that type of type, but that side of the beauty of Catholicism, the, the contemplative life. They only saw the active life. They only saw um, the the suffering and the rules, you know, and the guilt. And yeah. they're like, well, what well, are the structures? And not the guilt. I mean, yeah. the, the structures, like the engineer types, engineers, without a doubt, almost all Catholic engineers stay Catholic. I, I've, I've never encountered a Catholic engineer, somebody who's an engineer who left the faith because they're, they're Catholic. Because it's like the way they think is very logical, very structured, hierarchical. Mm -hmm. you know. Definitely, my husband's conversion was definitely about the hierarchical, like because of military and he could understand it. 
Yeah. You know, it was very, that very much helped leading him into, into the faith. And so, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Catholics in the military. I feel like he's with- a musician. So, so actually Jen is back. Hey, Jen. Oh, hey, Jen. Um, hey. She says, how do you explain liturgical musicians then? Uh, well okay i mean but i mean liturgical musicians i feel like i'm gonna get myself in trouble if i talk about liturgical music <laughs> i love liturgical musicians no nah, i uh yeah it's you're, a different I mean, type yeah, of artist um well and also i mean liturgical musicians can be a pain in the butt. <laughs> um, I don't know. Let me, let me think about this. Let me think about liturgical okay, Well, I'm musicians. going to, yeah, you think about it. But, I'm but actually, I mean, well, no, here's a question. Here's a question. Would you say liturgical musicians are a majority of artists? Probably not. Right. Liturgical artists or liturgical musicians. I think liturgical musicians are more steeped in the actual scripture because they have to sing the scripture so it's it's probably more but, I mean, or like if you look at all of the artists that would be like a subset of artists right like it wouldn't be yeah, yeah. um so i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying that artists can't be drawn to the faith and, and who knows i mean there's also by the way many artistic types um, when you get into the um, the theories of Gregorian chant in classical music, they love it. They eat it up. They they yeah. think very highly of it. Um, and that's where fact, I'm going to put. That's where I'm going to put the liturgical musicians. Yeah, but also, I mean, how many people growing up encounter actually good liturgical music? That's like a whole nother shebang, right? We're not going to open. That. We I have comments. Yeah. Shoot, <laughs> not going there. Um, Noelle is asking a question. She's hoping that you will answer. Yeah, Hi, sure. Father. During conversion and preparing for re- religious studies, does Satan try and prevent you from completing the, these studies? Struggling with studies at the moment and not finding peace since my conversion. Okay. Well, okay. So, um, so there's a few things, right? So desolation. The, the basic framework I always work with is St. Ignatius, consolation, desolation. Um, remember, Sorrow for sins, according to Ignatius, is is a consolation. That is, when you feel contrition and sorrow for sins, it should lead you to greater faith, hope, and love. If you're experiencing sorrow for sins that's not leading you to greater surrender, greater faith, hope, and love, if you're feeling anxious or fearful and you're striving to live in a state of grace and you're going from good to better, that's the work of the enemy. So he says, God allows you to be tried with desolation for three reasons. The first is you're growing slothful in your spiritual practices. So if you're not praying the way you should, you're not giving yourself time for meditation, prayer. The second is to test you to make sure that you, you know, you don't just, the classic one is, do you love God or do you love God because of the things that he gives you? Do you love God when he makes you feel good or do you love God even in the darkness? And so that's the second. And the third is to the, the desolation exposes the areas of your heart that need healing. Um, it exposes. And so healing can take place in two ways, spiritual direction and confession, but also consider therapy. 
Um, therapists, what I normally say is I, I, when I'm working with somebody, I look at a threefold progression. I start with spiritual practices and spiritual direction and healing of memories. And I see if that can help. So there's unbound, there's Catholic mindfulness. We should probably put this in the comments. There's unbound by Neil Lozano, um, Catholic mindfulness by Dr. Greg Bataro. And then there's also uh, the JP two center for healing, uh, the Abiding Together podcast talks about a lot of these issues. Sister Miriam deals with a lot of them, like healing stuff. If that's not working, the next thing you can go to is a therapist um, or a psychologist to see if there's something that they can provide. There's always the possibility that it's purely biological. And then that last step, so the move from psychologist, then you go to a psychiatrist if, if you've ruled out the psychological reasons and it could be biological, which I think you experience, right? Cause you're experiencing with your, your health issues, a lot of symptoms of depression, anxiety, or sorry, I don't know if I should have just said well, that. No, well, I mean, we've talked, about, we've talked it, about, but it. a lot of, a lot of things were alleviated by med- medicine and or food changes. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't so, a faith problem. <laughs> exactly. Which you thought it was right. It was, and it was very brought on more desolation because I just didn't think I was faithful enough. And that's a really, that's why you need a spiritual director. Yeah. And then you need a competent spiritual director when they, when they're seeing that there's not improvement, they kick you up to the next level. And then you need competent psychologists that can kick you up if they, they think it's a biological right. psychiatrist. Right. Now that structure, the way I understand it, I've never heard of anybody else put it that way, but that's been my experience working with mental health professionals. Yes. Now, there are some psychiatrists who do therapy, but they are few and far in between. Okay. Most psychiatrists just do medication. So it's a 15-minute appointment. When you think of it as talk therapy, that's more like your psychologist. Yeah. All right. So I just shared the Healthy Minds uh, oh, yeah. flow intro um, link. So oh, cool. we're, we're, we started a new project. Father Ian is has all the ideas. Um, and make yeah. them happen. Actually, believe it or not, this first was not my idea, but but yeah. But we're doing mad, um, mad Advent meditations. Um, so join, join the group, and um, you know, comment and and share. Um, we yeah, do I will have say this about request. the. I will say about the Advent meditations. The design of it is to give you the material and the structure you need for twenty to thirty minutes a day of mental prayer meditation. So it gives you a structure. It gives you points to meditate on. And then there's a video that can help the juices flow a little bit. Um, Even in my own prayer, for years, I was more on the creative side. But now I'm finding it's good to at least read for a few minutes before resting with the Lord. And so I, I would say if you're struggling with daily meditation, give these structures a try. And as you internalize the structure, it's kind of like you can add your own points because it's, it's an introduction. There's three meditation points and there's kind of like a conclusion, which Alana did a great job writing out. It was great. Yeah. And, um, and it's also, um, we do go through the readings for the day. So it's little yeah. Advent reading. So it will, it will lead you to prepare the way. Yeah. Um, we're going to have others. We're going to have other, we have a, we have one set up. I, I got, we're going to, we've got to work on it is um, the 12, the 12 degrees of humility by St. Benedict. I did a commentary on that. I also did a commentary on the rules of discernment. And what we're, we're just, what we're finding right now is 
we, in the beginning, we just put all of our content out there for free and that was great. It was wonderful while it lasted, but to kind of make this more sustainable, we're, we're asking for $5 a month just for people to invest in us. But also with this platform, one of the things we're finding is a lot of people have a hard time finding our content too. Like they're like, where is that? Where is everything? I can't find it. Whereas if you go to healthy minds, it's going to be much easier to see all of the content and also not to be distracted by what's on your feed and to have spiritual yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, uh, it has no ads and there's no like politics or drama like not allowed we're here for prayer we're here for spiritual growth and really discussion it, about that well we we can talk about politics and th- current events but in a, a civil right. way and it'll be very moderated it's like, not like facebook feed it's not like facebook feed yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to allow name calling. We're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it a constructive conversation right. and, um, and we're, we're yeah. Cool. What's so the prayer has, intention? Yeah. Ryan has a prayer intention. He says, I would like to ask for prayer for a gentleman. I spoke with yesterday. We're virtually hosting an online church event. He was a gentleman who came asking for prayer. He did not want to be named, but was having suicidal thoughts. He Absolutely. said he has battled with alcohol issues Mm-hmm. Um, pray that Ryan says the right thing to him and that he would not, he assured him that he would not commit suicide and that he would not, so that he wouldn't negatively impact someone down the road. Uh, I told him that God was, a, has a plan and purpose for him. And I hope he realizes that he abruptly left the chat room, pray for my peace, but also pray for him more that he finds the hope and strength. He so desperate, desperately longs for, as well as many that are suffering with depression and anxiety in this season. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, let's jump into prayer. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit in the lives of Ryan and the person he was talking to, the, the person who was struggling with suicidal thoughts. We just ask you to bring healing, to bring salvation to that particular person, to give wisdom to Ryan that he may know what he should say. Um, we pray also for our, our country as the, 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 the continued craziness and chaos that's swirling around our country. We pray that people may be enlightened by the truth, that they may know the peace and love of Christ. We pray for our church leaders, that they may be enlightened by sound doctrine, that they may speak the truth with charity, that they themselves may strive after holiness. We pray for us that we may strive to enter the narrow way that in all things we may seek your will. We ask that all the events and everything that is going on in the world may be a means to prepare us to deepen our love for you this Advent season, that all these things prepare us to receive your mercy, that, that gift of forgiveness that we do not earn, but you give to us freely. We pray also for some of the folks who commented who were uh, struggling, um, that were struggling and feeling tested, Lord, we remember the scripture where it says in all things, when God tests you, that he will give you the way out. St. Paul says that in the Holy spirit speaking through him, Lord, help them to see the means by which they are called to grow. The the reason why God is allowing them to experience this darkness and turmoil, because we, we believe in a God of reason that there's meaning to all things, help them to discover that meaning. And we ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Thanks. Have a great week. So take me to the fountain by I seek. It's well in
Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at CatholicSingles.com.